Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is All Things Elite. Welcome back to All Things Elite. Load up the pod, man, the song when we speak. Rich right here, let me warm it up for Austin and Floyd. Couldn't be no one but the boys. When it come to All Things Elite from the fan perspective, swear, man, it ain't no question. Hear from them first. Swear, man, they putting in the work. No, they had to get me for the verse. Social suplex network zone. I was at a time in your headphones. Austin and Floyd on the microphone. Backing out on the red, getting in the zone. Pulling up the show, give it seven stars, you already know. Who else could it be but the show with the proclivity for a positivity? I'm gone. Hello and welcome to the 201st episode of Social Suit Play because it's a podcast about AEW with the proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. I am your host, Floyd Johnson. You are not hearing the usual silky smooth voice of Austin Sumowitz because we had a few recording issues on the opening of the call, but we still got over an hour and a half of reviews from the week in AEW, uh, but it starts right into the news of the week and goes from there so you don't hear the opening banter like we usually do. I do apologize for that. It will be fixed next week. Uh, before we get started, I'd just like to make sure you're downloading this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating review if you're so inclined. You can follow us at ATLE Pod, at Social Suplex, at Austin Sumowitz, and at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Thank you all for listening. Here's the rest of episode 201. Now, for the news of the week, obviously, we're still feeling the fallout from Blood and Guts from last week at the TD Garden. Um, now, that kind of leads into a little bit with Dynamite this week, which, I mean, we're going to go kind of from Rampage forward to Dynamite this week because uh, we can do that real quickly. But uh, the winners of that match, you know, the Golden Elite and all that kind of stuff, you know, they won that match. We read a Sports Illustrated article basically following the match about how emotional everybody was after the match was concluded in Boston and how Matt Jackson even got all the members of the match to sign a white Jordan to commemorate the match and wrote uh, Blood and Guts 2023 on it uh, with everybody from the match signed on to it. So everyone was super gassed about it. But the elite were not here after they won their big match to cap off this month-long feud that was featuring big moments and big matches and Anarchy in the arena, fighting through all kinds of stuff and all kinds of uh, matches and everything like that. And then the mat feud finishes, and the winners of the feud aren't on the Dynamite the week after. The losers were in BCC, Blackpool Combat Club were on this week's Dynamite, but not the Elite. And to me, that kind of is an issue or kind of a a head-scratching situation where it's like, you know, we don't know what's next for the Elite all of a sudden. We don't know what's going on 
the week after they win the biggest match of their career. They brought Kota Ibushi out for this match, and we don't get to hear from them after that? To me, that seemed very weird. I didn't understand why there was no reason the Elite shouldn't have been on this show, honestly. Uh, Floyd, am I speaking like out my ass, or is that an uh, understandable thing to be confused about? No, I agree. I felt like they were missing from the show, and I think overall it was a good show. It was, again, I've always said this. I'm like, not every show is going to knock it out of the park. I, uh, you know, when you're not having like one of your good show, uh, one of your signature shows, you just want to have a good solid show. I thought this was a good solid show. It didn't knock anything out the park. We got a couple new feuds and rivalries. We got a couple new, we got a new feud, new rivalry, and new alliance. You know, we got some good stuff in this show, but it was missing the winners. How are you going to win the big match and not be featured? But the guys that lost the match, Willer Yuta, who apparently was getting choked out of his life to the point where his person had to quit for him, he was on the show still performing, but the guys that won that were celebrating weren't on the show. That didn't make a lot of sense. Could we get a backstage interview? Could we do something leading us into believing what their next feud is going to be? Which, of course, you got to believe it's going to be callous and whatever family comes through. But that could go a bunch of different ways. I don't know. I just feel like I don't know if you they're not heels, so you can't do a celebration thing. But a little quick uh, promo on the back. And Kenny Omega's like, oh, I have my sight set on Don Callis and Kanosuke Takeshita. The Young Bucks is like, oh, we're going back to the tag team division or going back after the trios titles as the Hung Bucks. Whatever you're trying to do, I would have liked a statement of uh, a statement of what was going forward. Because if anybody knows me, I've been very open and honest about how hey, the uh, the Blood and Guts, the Elite, and the uh, Blackpool Combat Club put on a bunch of amazing matches, but I didn't really care about the feud. I was very open about that, very honest. I'm glad everyone enjoyed it. I'm glad it got number one last week, but I didn't care. The, the real I was looking forward to is that all of those guys were going to be able to get into new feuds. Now, we saw a little bit about what the Blackpool Combat Club had, uh, what's coming on. But you know what we didn't see? We didn't see what the Elite have next. And that is four, I mean, well, a tag team and two singles wrestlers. And I don't know what's going on with Kota. But all of them could be leading into, like, what's going forward in the summer, how we're building it all in. And we literally have no idea what's going on with them. Right. And with all in being only, a f- like, less than a month away, you would think that they'd really try to start getting closer and closer to that. Now, again, we could see what happens next week and see. <laughs> it is episode 200 of Dynamite, so I feel like there's going to be some sort of huge thing there, but we don't know yet. So Yeah, I mean, episode 200, I mean, there's a lot of big shows over, like, the next roughly yeah. six, 60 days in AEW. You're talking, uh, you're talking Dynamite 200, All In, uh, all in, all out, 
and um, the uh, Grand, Slam. Grand Slam all within the next 60 days. So you're going to get a lot of wrestling. And that's still your weekly Dynamite. You're still your weekly Rampage. Still your weekly Collision. So it's like you're about to get hit with a lot of wrestling. And I was trying to tell a friend, a friend from the UK sent out a post to Tony Khan like, hey, we don't got anything. And I was like, James, 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 James. As... The person that has been following AEW pretty closely since the beginning. I can I can be, let's say, this is standard operating procedure. You will have nothing. And then 10 days before the show, you will have 11 matches. You can go like, God damn, why are there so many matches? It's yep, just, exactly. AEW comes, they hit hard. And it's like they have some big shows and they don't want to jump the gun. They want you still looking forward to 200. They still want you looking forward to, I. what I think is going to be a big show is that uh, there's a collision there, uh, we got a collision this week in Bridgeport, which is going to be a good show. But I think they have a collision in Greensboro, North Carolina, which is they do. FTR country. And I think that's going to be a big show. So I, I think they got a few shows built up to it. So if they build up too much to all in, you're not paying attention to the weekly programming. So they generally try to wait until at most two Dynamites before their pay-per-view to start breaking out the uh, uh, show so you don't kind of check out until the pay-per-view. There you go. Um, now, moving off, though, we'll mention real quick, the only big thing we want to mention from uh, Rampage was the Royal Rampage match, of course. Uh, following Blood and Guts, they have two rings. We do the Royal Rampage. Uh, of course, the winner would get a shot at the TNT Championship. And... Love the fact that the match finished with Swerve and Darby Allen. I mean, those two just straight up always do great stuff together. But Darby Allen with an amazing finish to that match, too. Diving through the middle rope to knock uh, Swerve Strickland, who had been thrown over the top but landed on the apron. He dives through the middle rope and takes himself and Swerve out. But because he went through the middle and Swerve went over top, he eliminates Swerve and wins the match. I thought it was a hell of a finish to that, and it was a great thing, too, to give Darby to be, the, the ability to try to go after the TNT Championship because I think Darby against Luchasaurus, or Christian for that matter, whoever the hell they wanted to put him against because, you know, who's to say who the real TNT Champion even is? But that is a feud that uh, Darby on would absolutely be uh, in, exciting to see. Um, but the Royal Rampage match, honestly, itself, was pretty dang good, I would say. It had some solid people in there. Uh, you got to see, uh, uh, you got to see a good amount of people in there. Minoru Suzuki for one, like fuck yeah, for him being in that match. Uh, Matt Hardy and uh, Commander was in there, I believe as well. Or was it was it Commander? Or was it El Hijo del Vikingo? I can't remember. Exactly. I believe it was Commander. I thought it was Commander. I just want to make sure. I think I he did. was on. Nick Wayne, uh, no, I think, was in there though. Yeah, he was on ROH the next night, so I think it was Commander. Yeah, so there's a good amount of decent people in the match too, and I, I oh. would say that it was it was a fun Royal Rampage match that had a really great finish. No, even crazier, he was on ROH that night, so he was on two yeah. shows in one night because ROH came on Friday, and Tony Khan's Productions actually competed against Tony Khan Productions. <laughs> so that's kind of crazy, but uh, yeah, I was really excited. I really liked the finish of the match. I never seen that as the finish of a battle royal. And when you're dealing with wrestling and all the independent shows, all the Japanese shows, all the different shows out there, it's hard to see anything in wrestling that 
you haven't seen. So yeah. the idea that I saw finish, I saw something that I'd never seen before. And yes, if you've seen this in the indie or your local indie, that's awesome. Or I have never seen this on national TV before. If you've seen it somewhere else, I but that was just a great finish. All I can imagine, because, you know, it was kind of the spear through the second ropes. That was a signature move by Big E, right? That was a Big E. Yeah. I was like, so I'm sitting up there because I'm a wrestling nerd. And I'm always thinking, I was like, dude, Big E comes back. That's how he should win the Royal Rumble. Just yeah, spear through the ropes, take the guy out. And it's like, I'm not eliminated. When, when Big E does it, it terrifies me because I think Big E's going to die every time he does D- it. That dude has i remember the first time i saw it i was like oh god he's gonna hurt somebody i know i thought he was gonna hurt himself he has a level of body control that you know like people his size aren't supposed to have and it's so weird because i always thought and you know i was never hoping but i always thought if biggie ever got to injury it was going to be doing that move yeah no that's not how he got hurt at all he always pulled that move off successfully so i was like yeah so it was like dude you have like biggie and whoever brock lesnar that'd be like brock lesnar are the last two and brock lesnar's out on the apron and biggie just throws himself through the middle and knocks them both out i don't know i know this is not wwe but it was like that's what popped in my mind when i saw that it was just how cool that finish was that's how yeah. it's like it, it was so cool it started inspiring other thoughts that's how I was like and that's why i love darby so much i i have told people i've never won 80 on anyone as much as i've won 80 on darby to the point where i'm never going to like him to the point where he is absolutely one of my favorite singles wrestlers in AEW. And, and it's because I, despite his size, he wrestles in a way, throwing himself around with wrestling because abandonment, that it looks like how someone that's small would have to fight in a fight. And and, and I will I, say, too, he's one of the most consistent characters that that, sh- that AEW has. Dude, like, he had one tonight, a sale tonight, and we'll talk about it later. Oh, my God. I, 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 I literally thought, I was like, oh, he's really hurt. And then, you know, he finishes the match but because he wasn't. But it just looks so beautiful. Him and Swerve work so well together. That's it's what I'm saying. Like, we'll get into that with Dynamite because they work together. Like, dude, but like, oh, my I, God, those two are perfect. Dude, together. if they made a bit of pay-per-view one day, I would not be shocked. For real, make give them a two out of three falls match. I would think that would be insane. Like Darby wins the TNT title, like somewhere down the line, and then he faces Swerve for it. Give him a two out of three falls match. So Swerve says, "Darby, let's finish this forever. Best of seven. Let's go. Best of seven. Um, we'll move over now to Collision, where this was the aftermath of the Owen Hart Foundation tournament, where cheaty McScumbag Ricky Starks fucked over my boy. Uh, Ricky Starks comes out with. So much pyro that I can't even make a Cody Rhodes joke because I don't even know if Cody Rhodes would have this much pyro. Oh, my God. It was ridiculous. Like, it just continued and continued. And Ian Riccoboni and uh, Nigel McGuinness couldn't even believe how long this pyro was going. It was just so much. And I will say, dude, Ricky Starks was very entertaining as a babyface. This character is so tailor-made. To be a heel and just the way that he talks it's like no one can feel my shoes which are prada by the way fucking love that shit um uh and what's in the bag nothing i just wanted to show the louis that i bought when i won won the hard tournament i was just like fucking hell dude like this dude just bragging about 
his designer shit and just with the utmost swagger like he's just so so good and being like you know who what does it matter because after i get through this it's gonna be how many i've won not how i won like that's how the whole ordeal is gonna be with his career and love that honestly cm punk comes out and new jersey is so pissy to the point where you know you get you get dug on because you're a devil's fan and that's what you deserve uh and punk's like i'm a little mad at at myself for what took place last week but i'm not really mad at you that much honestly i'm kind of proud of you um but I can't say I've never cheated. I can't say I've never cheated anything in my life. You know, that's something I've done before. But I can take the loss. But can you live with the win knowing you can't beat CM Punk without cheating? And he walks out of the ring. And Ricky's response is, hey, that little red bag you're carrying is just about as empty as the bag I have right here. To which Punk says, you want a shot at what's in the bag, Ricky? Or are you just like little Max and you just don't want me to have it? And he goes, I am the real world's champion thank you now i can run around saying mjf is not my champion and i can just continue to say that cm punk is the real AEW world champion because he said it he said it cm punk is the aew world's champion from now till forever because people never beated him no one beat him he still had the belt and he still has the belt in the bag so that's my champion straight up right then now Afterwards, Luchasaurus and Christian Cage came out, and the, I guess, co-TNT champions at this point come out, and they're like, look, I'm contractually obligated to be here, but this is taking too long. So like, I don't want to spend more time in New Jersey than I have to. And he goes, Punk, what kind of man carries around a championship he didn't win? Love that line. And the, the other thing I love too much so much about Christian is how he does that. I, we, the TNT champion. And I, like, it gets a great pop every single time. Darby runs out, and he basically then proceeds to have a proposition. Me and CM Punk versus Ricky and Luchasaurus, or it could be Christian. Whoever wants to be claiming they're the TNT champion can come and be in this match. And it was Ricky Starks and Christian Cage versus CM Punk and Darby Allen made for later in the night. It was a fun segment, I will say. Um, my favorite parts about it was Ricky Starks and CM Punk. I thought those two were the absolute best part. I did love the part that Darby Allen said that Luchasaurus is just a guy who took too many. Uh, a guy who took too many. Uh, I can't remember the word. Like some some sort of drug. I can't remember what he said. Yes. Uh, yes, I yeah, know what you're talking about. Yeah, took too many. Uh, took too many hallucinogens and now thinks he's a dinosaur right now. Yeah, something along the lines yeah. of that. But I love that line and how pissed off Luchasaurus got about that line. But the whole thing that worked so great about this was Ricky Starks and CM Punk. I love the way that those two bounced off each other. And I just love the way that CM Punk continues to just, like, fuck around and do whatever the hell he wants. Like, he did so later in the night in the match. He's fucking got this crowd and every crowd he goes into in the palm of his hands. And he knows it. Like, for real, dude. Like, y'all are just... You just can't control yourselves, and it just it amuses me to this day. I, but I, I thought this I, was a fun segment to open the show. I, my guy Kevin Owens would be very upset with CM Punk because Ricky Starks did not mention his name, and you know that's the rule. You just can't come out. Someone yeah. has to say your name before you come out. He broke yes. the rule, but he's CM Punk, so you know that's kind of his thing is breaking the rules. What rules exist yeah, for CM Punk? I don't yeah, know about that. Yeah. So the Ricky, when he's doing this character, uh. It's it was it reminds me of The Rock. 
when he first turned heel, when he was wearing the, the five hundred dollar uh yeah sure the shirt, yeah five hundred dollars shirt yeah, yeah and the the thousand dollar shoes is all he's saying and it was just like he was always reminding you how much his shit cost and it was like yeah I I, I got that Ricky and I honestly think uh Ricky is older than the Rock was at this time but as far as the character Ricky is more advanced in the character so I thought his character work was beautiful I had CM Punk is the perfect uh you know yin and yang of that you know like punk's already been there he's already been the young brash kid now he has to deal with the young brash kid and then he knows to pick at his insecurities that you can't beat me and ricky stark's face when he was like you can't beat me without cheating that was that whole emotional draining and perfect job by ricky starks there i mean that's what you got to show the 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 emotion and just the face change uh darby allen who is literally like you want to talk about somebody that has he's like i don't like talking or whatever he has stepped out of his comfort zone so much and he has become a major major piece of aw i can't say the mvp but if you want to talk about uh, like someone that I always thought was amazing but most improved, like Bar- D- Darby's mic work has hit another level. Now, is he MJF yet? No, but he has definitely improved from when he first started talking. And that you can just put a mic on, send him out there, and let him go. And he doesn't seem like completely uncomfortable or over out of his depth. He seems like very good at making fun of people. Cracking the jokes, pumping people up. This is a Darby Allen. You like when you when you talk about watching wrestlers evolve. Darby Allen is showing you his evolution over the last month or two, especially with his time on the mic. Oh, absolutely, dude! Like I, I love, like honestly, I love the thing that the one piece of character work that's even developed more with Darby is how like he more than a lot of people really vouches for his friends and like really tries to get his friends chances really tries to get this get his friends jobs did it with nick wayne later on dynamite we'll talk about what he tried to do for ar fox um he tries so hard to like really vouch for the people that he cares about and the people that have helped him like he gives back like again i think darby is the most consistent character that AEW has had maybe this besides moxley because moxley's just a fucking maniac but I don't know, dude. Darby, like I said, you always, no matter what show you go watch on a weekly basis, somewhere in the crowd, someone's going to have half of their face painted. And I think that's for a damn good reason. I still will. I've said it from Jump Street, dude. Darby has always been one of my favorites in AEW since since Fighter Fest 2019. Like this dude is legit. And I love him so much because he is absolutely he's absolutely one of the top guys in AEW, like hands down. And um, I, I do have to fanboy a little bit more for fucking 49-year-old Christian. Oh, God, yeah. Did you see the abs and, like, his physique at 49? Yes. Like, dude, dude. dude he doesn't need to wear that turtleneck, dude. dude. He dude. can fucking just, like, let that shit show. He looks, he like, he's like, oh, he's in great shape for a 49-year-old. 
He's in great shape for a 29-year-old. Yes. For real, dude. For real. Christian is next level. One of those, uh, all people. I love Luchasaurus. They have him in a perfect role right now. I love Christian is having that internal debate. Uh, over. Remember, I had to say we're the TNT champion instead of I'm the TNT champion, which is, he should just be saying he's the TNT champion. And yeah, I no, uh No, it's been a... It's been it, it's fun. Christian is fun. They are really focusing. Like Collision has really got this fun aspect to it. It does. Like I, we're gonna we're gonna be building up Collision a lot. Surprising, the CMFTR guys are gonna be Collision. But regardless of the fact, um, we got a segment with Sam Security. Sam got his got a segment as he was escorting Andrade out of the building, basically being like, "Hey, there's a trios titles match happening. We know your problems with the House of Black." We want a clean house. We want a clean trios titles match. So you are not going to be in the building. Sam literally got lines to say on on TV. I love that. I, I was just like, I popped just for the fact that Sam got a line, like in multiple lines to say on the on the show. And Andrade just literally said his name, just like called him Sam. It was like, listen, you can't tell me what to do, random security guy. No, it's Sam. You say his name. Sam is talent now, sir. He, he, Sam deserves a dressing room. Yeah, he deserves to be paid like talent. Yes, yes. absolutely. No, Sam. Uh, Sam's a dude. Sam's Sam's a dude. So uh, no, I love that. I love that he got lines. I even said it. To, I said it to Crystal, uh, my wife that was with me. I was like, "Oh, Sam's talking." It's like that. Ah, that was pretty cool. I mean, it wasn't his first time talking, but I do. I know, I, but it had been no, no, I was, years. Yeah, I was just say I, I pop every time it happens because it's like, yeah, it's like. Absolutely. It's like, there you go. Yep. Uh, Bullet Club Gold were in a match against Action Andretti and Darius Martin. It was a solid match, I will say. Um, and the statement was made when they beat the hell out of them after they won the match, too, because you had Austin and Colton Gunn who were going bananas outside the ring. Uh so- this is what has to happen. We're going to talk about this later, about if you lose too much, beating you is not special anymore. This is what has to happen. J.Y. and Juice Robinson, bang, bang, gang, after a big loss to FTR, come out, face the team, beat them, dominate them. The other two members of the team come out. They dominate them, reestablishing themselves as ass kickers. And, and as a threat. Should, and as a threat. And it should be a while before they lose again. Because you have to reestablish them as a threat before having them lose. I am specifically talking about a person on Dynamite tonight. And I will talk about that later. But I just... When you talk about contrast and how people or stuff is booked or how stuff is done... They reestablished the Bang Bang Gang, Bullet Club Gold, the Guns, whatever you want to call them, as a dominant uh, or dominant or tough to deal with faction in the group. Also, the Guns have one of the coolest shirts ever out. I can't that buy shirt. It. I will say straight up, like that is a that is a dope shirt. I'm not even a I'm not a mega Guns guy, but like that is a good shirt. Shit was in cart, and I was like. Is it, will this be betraying FTR? I like literally wanted to send them a message. Can I buy this shirt? That's the thing, dude. It's like <laughs> I, I, I'm looking at the Better Than You Bebe shirt and I see it's still top selling item and I'm just like, I mean, like, I don't like MJF, but I like Adam Cole, but I love FTR. Yeah. Like, this is it's just not right right now. I bought the Bullet Club Gold shirt after 
the FTR already won. So I was like, you know what? It's fine. Yes. I can get, I can support them now. But like, I'm like, but they're like, it's even more personal. Gun Club tried to retire my boys earlier. Today. Exactly. Yeah. That's way more personal. Yeah. So I don't know if I can buy the shirt, but I really like the shirt. Uh, dude, I really like the shirt. Oh, I didn't tell you. So AEW crate came out. Hey, did you see the stuff from the crate? Speaking uh, of yes. Shirt. It showed me the one from this past month. Yeah. Dude, I'm wearing that Sting shirt. Oh, dude i know fucking, i'm wearing it right now it's a fucking awesome shirt it's probably other than my ftr stuff it's probably my favorite shirt that i've ever got from the crate yeah. and then they have an mjs kiss the ring shirt which i have not wore yet which i cannot wear it earliest i could wear it is sunday yeah <laughs> no it, it had some it had some stuff i i obviously the cm punk stickers quickly were given to me that's awesome. I was going to ask you if you wanted mine because honestly, I should probably be on the two shirt plan. They have a two shirt plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never keep the other stuff in the box. It's just, I always want to support AEW and AEW crate. So I just keep paying for the crate. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. But I mean, um, City basically mm-hmm. split up the stuff so that it always gets used. Yes. Well, let's get back to what I was talking yeah. about. But back, yes. back on, yeah, yes, back on, on back, the yeah. But yes, it was reestablishing these heels as a as a, as a group. First and of all, also, as a force, it keeps it keeps Bullet Club Gold in people's minds. Like I said, they're they are still very much like one of the top guys on Collision. Like yes. straight up, like their their stuff is still like besides the limited edition BCC shirt that was on Top Rope Tuesday. Their shirt is the second most top-selling shirt of the week right now, in between the two MJF Adam Cole stuffs. Like, they are doing numbers, and they are like really popular. Like I, I said before, like I, I was gassed when um when Juice and and uh, Jay White showed up, but I was like, well, I mean, this could be another instance where they come through the Forbidden Door. But they don't stick around too much, and they mostly only show up to get a feud built up for Forbidden Door itself, and then they kind of do go back to doing New Japan stuff or whatever, or they just kind of just, you know, don't do much. They have stuck around, and they are, like, very key guys that, like, have done a ton. A ton. So I, I love it, dude. And I love that this match, like like Floyd said, reestablishes them. Like, no, the Bang Bang Gang, Bullet Club Gold. You are going to need to still keep your eyes out for these guys because they're going to do some great stuff. They they lost, but they have not failed, and and that's the whole thing. They didn't lose. That's, that's all you. That's all you have to make sure with these guys. You keep them at the same level where it's still when they get into feuds, it still matters because they dangerous. Yep, and and it's like when you're dealing with TV every week like this. If you're not doing a squash match and you're doing matches with two established talents, people need to feel either one could win. I'm not saying that's true, but they just need to. I mean, like, I'm not saying that either one could win, but at least they need to feel it. That's what that's a part of what keeps people interested in TV. So, yeah. yeah. So now when Bullet Club Gold gets into a match with a bigger team, then all of a sudden, yeah, there is reasonable doubt. Yeah, I can't wait till they pick out whoever their next target's going to be. I'm hoping it's I'm excited. FTR. Yeah. No, you gotta you gotta fight through MJF and Adam Cole first. That's I'm just saying, cord. if you wanted to do a little Bullet Club Gold and the Elite, I wouldn't be mad at it. I think it would be dope. Yeah, I think it would be real dope. Um, the Redeemer Miro faced Nick Camarado. It was another squash match, but they at least changed it up a little bit with Nick uh, ambushing Miro before the match even started. Uh, threw him into the st- steel steps, but basically, once Miro finally got himself uh, a chance, he proceeded to hit a German suplex. 
hit the missile like like super kick that he does and then hits the game over submission makes the Camarado tap out Miro still a beast I'm waiting for this dude to get like a real like uh opponent to go up against but I love that Miro still continue to be like at least you know a collision guy that like you know I'm excited to see what his real first thing to sink his teeth in is going to be. game over yes this was so this was really cool and you know it was a squash match but they gave you a little doubt at the beginning. Sure. Camarado was a very intimidating looking guy. Uh, I remember when AEW signed him, I thought they were going to do more with him. They did the whole hit him with the chair and, you know, the chair broke over his head and nothing. But he's kind of been relegated. kind of got lost in the shuffle. I mean, I honestly saw something in this match. Like, I saw back what I saw at the original. And they could try to do something with him. Or he could just kind of be like an, you know enhancement talent but i think there's more to nick camarado than you want uh i you know christian has luchasaurus but you know sometimes you need a pin eater you know yeah i I think you could put nick camarado in their act and with christian still doing the talking with two extremely large guys with him i think that would roll i don't yeah i mean that's just me going off the top of my head but i'm like i think there's a role in the company for camarado so they need to figure it out yeah, no, for sure. Uh, now we move over to the trios championship match between the House of Black and the Acclaimed. Max Caster was about to do something related to Dirty Dom, I'm sure, in regards to uh, Buddy Matthews, and then Buddy just did not want to hear it for a second time. So he jumps him immediately, and they start going after each other. And honestly, match was shorter than you would have thought it would have been. Um, Daddy Ass got in. It was starting to get a bit of a hot tag as he started to warm him, warm himself up. But then eventually, as uh, he tries to get going, all of a sudden, just as quickly, he gets hit with the the end. I think is what they're calling it. Uh, his spinning roundhouse kick, and Daddy Ass gets pinned. And then after he gets pinned, and the House of Black retains their trios titles, Malachi whispers into Daddy Ass's ear. And Billy Gunn has like like a weird look on his face and then he starts unlacing his boots and the acclaimed are looking like billy what the hell and the crowd is like they don't want this they don't want this they're like no 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 no. they chanted you still got it while he was unlacing the boots being like hey you're still good you don't have to call it right now but billy gunn is still like emotional takes his wrestling boots off puts him in the center of the ring and walks away and like leaves the acclaimed like just looking confused out by the ring and it's like is this the last we've seen of billy gunn daddy ass in AEW? is this the end of his career um something was said there and i'm very i'm i'm very interested because like i said if nothing was said and then he just decided to kind of just like do it there i could kind of maybe see it but because of the fact that there was something very clearly whispered by Malachi Black, I'm very interested to see, like, you know, if we find out what was said or why Billy decided to do that. He said, uh, but, he-, he said, hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah. Yes, he told him it was time. He was done. He was never going to beat them. It's like, you know, you're old. He's like, Go I have away. Road Dog on speed dial. You better uh, fucking, you better fucking unlace your boots or I'm calling Road Dog. He said, I heard Paul is hiring. That's what he said. And I know, I don't know. Performance center. <laughs> He's like, Triple H said, call him. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm very 
interested to see where this is going. Is this leading to more few time with the claimed? And uh, th- but it looks like you know House of Black's going a different direction. I've all I've always been a, I've always been a fan of uh, groups having multiple feuds at the same time because generally in life. Very rarely is just one person pissed at you at a time. You know, it's generally, you know, got a couple people at different levels of anger. So uh, I like the House of Back being uh, a very big focal point of a collision. And if you have them in, you know, their thing with uh, Andrade, you have them with the acclaimed, you have them, you know, moving around that uh, puts them more through the show and keeps them more as featured acts. So I dig, I dig it. I dig it. I want to know what he said. Billy Gunn's not going to, Billy Gunn's old school, so he's not going to be forthcoming, but I want to know what he said to him, and that's going to be great, and I do love this, because Malachi beat Cody, and Cody left his shoes in the ring, now he's done, similar to Billy Gunn, and he had Billy Gunn leave his shoes in the ring, so I don't think it's over, I don't think it's over. But. No, yeah, I like I said, it's got to, this is the most interesting thing to happen to the claim in a while. I will say, because the acclaim after they lost the tag team titles were stale, unfortunately. Like, the raps and everything like that, and the scissor me daddy ass were still over. But, like, they hadn't had a feud that, like, re like since the guns beat them, they didn't have a feud that, like, really sat with you, honestly. Like, and this is, like, the first thing that's really happened to them that it gives you, like, this is interesting. I want to see where this goes. I want to see what's leading to this. So, um, I'm glad to see that that was the case. Uh, and I... I'm interested to see like if and when we see Billy Gunn again and what he's doing. Um, now we move over to your boys FTR in the ring cutting a promo about uh, MJF and Adam Cole, the hottest tag team uh, versus the best tag team. Uh, Floyd, you want to talk about their promo? Okay, so I I I, I am. I'm always like hoping. I know people listen to the show, but I always hope you know. People, when I have to say stuff that's not the most great, like Cash was great. Cash cut his promo. His part was great. I think it was the crowd yelling. I don't know if it was a cue thing, but Dax's wasn't that great. That's about that's about a negative as I'm going to get on him. But he was like repeating things, and it was just like. It was not a consistent flow to what he was saying, and if it felt very uncomfortable. Probably the most I've uncomfortable I've ever seen Dax on the mic. I don't know if it was because the crowd was giving them mixed reviews, booing, because the crowd's really into the flavor of the month right now, which is MJF and Adam uh, Cole right now. But yeah, Cash came out. I hate you, you know, MJF. We're going to bust you up, you know, kind of thing. And I just like I fe- it felt like it took a moment, and for Dax to find his way. And I don't really ever think he found his way. I I was uh, by the end of this, I was like, this should have been a taped backstage segment. And I don't ever say anything bad about FTR. I mean, like never. So uh, I I just thought it was rough. I mean, th- and you know me, I'm just I'm just gonna be honest. I'm like I thought Cash's part was great. Thought Dax's part was rough. Uh, I will say straight up too. Dax was so much better on Dynamite's like pre-recorded promo. Like yeah. it was so yeah. much better. Like that, Again, that was you what I, that was what I wanted for Collision. Was what yeah, I wanted for you, Collision. You don't have the crowd booing you. Like the crowd was 
chanting like double clothesline and all that stuff, and it's yeah. just like, you know, you if, know, if, if yeah. FTR was yeah. if FTR were legitimate heels, it wouldn't bother them. Yeah, because he can play in, in the mo- Yeah, he could play into being a heel and say, "I don't care what you like about the double clothesline or whatever." But he was trying to say his little positive things to quiet him down, and then start then start talking again, and it was just like wasn't what you know wasn't really what we wanted and like i said st- we're going to talk about the dynamite tonight and it, w- it was like it was way better but it was just yeah. like you know if i'm gonna do this show and we are the proclivity positivity you know i love my guys i i can't lie you know what i mean <laughs> it's like it wasn't the best work he, he <laughs> seemed he seemed a little bit sh- like just not on on, on not on on, on I, I felt like the crowd shook him and I could be completely wrong. I don't know shit. I'm not a wrestler. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've never claimed to be a wrestler. I've never had to talk in front of that many thousands of people. Never had to do any of that. So I don't know shit. I just say, if you, you're looking from a fan's eyes, which I am a fan, it looked like the crowd got to him. Yeah, w- was I wrong? I don't know. Was it like right or wrong? I don't know. But it looked like something happened there. I thought Cash's part was great he got in his shots at mjf and i i even i thought that on dynamite it was just like it it, it was just more to the point you know what i mean like that's uh-huh. what it was that what it was it felt like cassius was more to the point we're gonna fuck you up mjf <laughs> you know that kind of thing it was more to the point and dax was like you know he was telling the story and it was just like it felt like a couple times he just got lost in what was going on. I don't know. I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm going to stop there now because that you know if I'm going to tell you, it physically hurts me to say bad things about them. Yes, <laughs> for real. I was like when I talk about my favorite guy in wrestling, it's Dax Harwood. I have no problem saying it. So it physically hurts me to say bad things, but it's just you know I'm going to be straightforward with you. I didn't you know I didn't think it was the greatest in the world. And we move on from that. Yep. Sky Blue versus, versus Taya Valkyrie. Um, now, you have Sky Blue, who's quickly become, like, one of the more, one of the top women, like, that the company has right now, versus Taya Valkyrie, who has been in a skid. Uh, but Taya Valkyrie actually got the win. Uh, she beat Sky Blue, uh, was able to, like, take her, basically, and curb stomp her to the mat, and then pin her off of that, and then cut a promo i'll just say she uh, cut a promo uh, cut a should have been taped promo yes uh and uh she called out Britt baker basically first time ever come play with me Britt. it was what that was um so yeah. i was honestly surprised i was surprised i thought sky won this easily but honestly taya valkyrie got the win uh and i was like okay taya valkyrie versus Britt baker i'm kind of a, i'm kind of excited about that right now um and Floyd will have more to say about this, uh, I'm sure, once we get into Dynamite. Absolutely. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, main event of Collision, CM Punk and Darby Allen versus Absolute Ricky Starks and Christian Cage. Uh, CM Punk did a cartwheel in the jumping jack in this match. So, yeah, he's fucking about, and he's loving every second of it. Uh, he no, was uh, literally uh, bowing to the crowd. So, like, so you know why he did the cartwheel, right? That was Bam Bam Bigelow. Oh, okay, yes. I was just making sure... That the, my, my, the guy from New Jersey, uh, literally one of when I was young, I wouldn't say one of my favorite wrestlers, but I always liked him because I was a big kid, you know, I was a round kid, and he was a round guy that could move 
and it was just like I always remember loving that about Bam Bam. I was like, yeah, like I said, I wouldn't say he's my favorite wrestler or anything, but I always enjoyed watching him. Uh, there was this uh, game uh, called WrestleMania. It was like the first WWF Nintendo game. And one of the special things you could do is you could get Bam Bam Bigelow and he could do cartwheels and knock people down with them. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, so like... No, I knew why he did it, but I, but I, a good majority of the crowd, though, were just like, fuck you for doing that. And I was just laughing. He's like, I, was I was like, he's representing your guy from New Jersey. What the hell? <laughs> that's it, what it doesn't matter. It doesn't no, matter. No. It's because it's him representing their guy. Oh, yeah, and, and he took a... Huge shot at the New Jersey Devils earlier in the night. I mean, again, uh-huh. I, didn't, I didn't detect any lies. So yeah, he, said, gonna... yeah, he said if they would have cheated, they made have made it out of the first round. I was yeah, like, if you oh, would have taken a page out of Ricky Starks' book, uh, Devils, you would have made it out of the first round. And I'm just I like, was like, oh, my God, he is the devil. Uh, and MJ- no lies. To- MJF is just playing a character on TV. The devil is CM Punk. <laughs> That's that's my devil. That's yes. my devil. Um, I loved Christian Cage's uh, deal with Rick. I loved how the match literally started with both of them refusing to like go first. So the ref started counting them out, and then eventually Ricky Starks had to come in first because otherwise, you know, a match wouldn't have happened. And then uh, Punk quickly went for a cradle to try to get it done, and then eventually tagged in Christian Cage. Uh, Christian and Punk worked really, really well together. Um, like I thought this match was great. Darby Allen, of course, is the one that can fly around and do a whole bunch of stuff, including Ricky Starks as well. The spear in midair to Darby Allen, like literally, he caught him in the knee with that damn thing. Um, match dude was just so good. I loved this very, very much. But eventually, the match comes to a conclusion where Darby Allen goes to the top rope. Punk is distract. Punk and Christian are fighting in the outside after the GTS to the outside, and the referee is distracted. Luchasaurus then knocks down Darby Allen. Ricky Starks cradles him and holds the rope again, and he gets the win for a second time by cheating. And Punk tries to chase after him, and he runs away. Um, and I'm so excited for this feud to continue, honestly. And yeah, I thought this was a really good way to close out Collision, and we have a ton of shit for this week's Collision, honestly. The stuff that they announced, oh my god, there's going to be so much stuff to look forward to on Collision this week, uh, and we'll talk about that when we preview it, but yeah, this is a good episode of Collision, but I am stoked for next week. Like, next week's Collision could be, like, top tier, and Punk's not even announced for a match, but it could be top tier. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this is... I could say this is my most anticipated match of the year coming up, but it's probably just like my most anticipated match since the last big FTR match. So, uh, <laughs> like, for real, uh, no, I, I, it's, I just, like I said, I just think this is going to line up to be exactly like, like it could be really on the level or the same level or higher than their match with uh, the Bang Bang Gang because, you know, you, you got Adam Cole. You have MJF. I mean, just like individually, uh, they have put on absolute bangers. You know, like absolute, like amazing matches. So, and they kind of wrestle a more, I will say, FTR friendly style is the best way to say it. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, we can, 
we we could have another classic here. We could we have could another, very well. We could be throwing some more. We could be throwing all the stars and rainbows and smiley faces or whatever you use to rate your matches. We could be throwing that all at uh, FTR's uh, scale because, I, again, a, a dude said a line. Hey, where's 2022 FTR? And old Dak said, oh, it's coming. It's yep. coming. And be careful and, what you wish for. And as uh as the man punk says, I, I, I stop him when he's telling lies because you know what? He didn't. And it's it's like they can literally end up with two what well, I think I think the first match, I don't know what the rating on the first match was for the Meltzer rating or whatever was out there, but I was like, damn, they could end up with five three five star matches in a, a row. The only reason I could see this not going that way is because, you know, the storyline that they gotta work into it. Yeah. Uh yeah, no, for sure. Moving over to AEW Dynamite, which started off with uh, the AW International Championship match between Orange Cassidy and AR Fox. The show opened, actually, with a great little video package of Darby Allen basically talking about his relationship with AR Fox. Because the week before, he went to Orange Cassidy and was like, if anybody deserves an international championship match, it's AR Fox. And OC was like, okay. And he talks basically about how if there wasn't a- for AR Fox, there wouldn't be a Darby Allen. And talked about how like he learned a lot training from him and he's like what are you doing it's like i'm sleeping in my car and he's like what are you doing and he's like stay at my house he said he didn't even ask me to pay rent because he knew i couldn't afford it he just literally like let me stay at his place for free and ar fox protected him and taught him so much and darby allen again like i said this guy sticks up for his friends and helps them as much as he can and gives them opportunities gives them jobs did it with nick wayne now he's doing it with uh ar fox and this was a damn good match, too. AR Fox did some damn good shit in this match. Orange Cassidy, too. I loved how the match literally opened with the... Like, you got a ton of great moments of him just doing his typical, like, sloth style. And I love the point where he tried to do the kip-up after being in the head scissors from the, like, collar and elbow takeover. And he's trying to do it. Doesn't get out of feet. Does it again. He's like, can you help me up? And he just helps him up as he does it. And him like like hopping his way out of the legs, like it was amazing. Like the beginning of the match had some great slaw style stuff. Um, Ar Fox though, outstanding work in this match too. Um, but eventually though, Fox goes for a 450 splash. His ankle gets kind of messed up, and that's when Fox gets caught in a great pinning uh, predicament by Orange Cassidy. Orange Cassidy survives, wins his 27th match. At defending the AEW International Championship, which again, workhorse of the year for real. Um, now, Orange uh, Air Fox was frustrated, but uh, Orange Cassidy hands him the Aviator sang- sunglasses. He puts them on, thumbs up. As Orange Cassidy goes uh, walks away, Fox takes the Aviators, crushes them, and then proceeds to knock Orange down with a cheap shot. And Darby runs down. He's furious. He's like, "You're, I stuck up for you. I put my, I put my, I put my." I put my name out on you, and you're embarrassing me. Like, what the hell are you doing, dude? Like, you lose, you lose with dignity. Like, you don't do that. And Darby yells at him basically, like, get, go, get out. And then Moxley comes out and then proceeds to kick the shit out of Orange Cassidy. Yes, because Moxley is crazy. And, um, no, um, starting with the Darby part, it literally sounded like, I wouldn't say he was playing like he was like he sounded like he was talking to him like he was his son. 
like, like, hey, what? I know a little bit, a little bit. Like, so yeah, a little bit of that Papa Sting came out of Darby right there talking to AR, yeah. and he pushed him, and he's like, you know, get, basically get your head out of your ass, you know, and yeah. in, in, the, in the you know best way possible. And I just thought this was just a really cool, like, really cool moment. I really enjoyed, uh, really enjoyed what happened with their interaction together and what it led to. It was just, it was great. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. We then moved over to um, Don Callis and Chris Jericho, basically. And Jericho was put uh, put with an opportunity, basically being like, hey, I got an idea of you, like, trying to set up something where you could be in a tag match with uh, Takeshita, you know? Get yourself, like, familiar with the Don Callis family. You know, a guy that you said was the future of the wrestling business. And doesn't that give you excitement? He's like, yeah, I'm willing to give that a shot. And the best part is your opponents are Daniel Garcia and Sammy Guevara. And he goes, sorry, what? And he's like, you wanted them to spread their wings. You wanted them to fly. And like, listen, this is a great opportunity for them to spread their wings. See if you really think about it. And Jericho's like, okay. And then there's another disgusting, absolutely horrendous uh, painting made by Don Callis. And just the most horrific bullshit I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah. Um and again, like I said, this Don Callis thing with Chris Jericho, it's intriguing. I want to see exactly the full set he's, that they go with. He's trying to manipulate the great manipulator. So this is it's interesting how this is going to play out. Exactly. How far along is this going to go? Is he legitimately going to be manipulated into joining? Or is the manipulator going to manipulate the manipulator? Like I've said the word too many times that it's lost all meaning. Yes. Uh, yes, that's what it sounds like. It's like just... Sounds like word salad after a while. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, there is a next uh, backstage program with uh, Blackpool Combat Club basically saying Claudio being like, do not play with fire and don't mess with the Blackpool Combat Club. And they called out the pastor pack being like, listen, if you think after the, what you pulled at Blood and Guts that you're beating, you got it death before dishonor was it anything but the beginning. You are mistaken. Uh, and Moxley then said, like, look, when you try to flex on my friends when I'm not even in the building, Orange Cassidy, that's what happens. And he said, uh, here's a warning. Stay in your lane if you think you're the coolest cat in town because the BCC will knock you down. Call out the Lucha Brothers and best friends, basically, for you're going to pay, basically, for Pac's mistake and leading teasing for the main event of this match, of this Dynamite, I will say. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the match itself when we get to that. But then the FTW champion. Jack Perry comes out orange and black outfit with a t-shirt that says I beat hook. And yeah, that's fucking awesome. Fuck that man. was. Yeah, I will say best part of the entire thing. I will say was the t-shirt. I thought that was the best part of the entire thing because I still don't. What's so special about hero bread, soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas. These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Love Jack's promos. Still don't love them. He needs a heel manager as much as any wrestler has needed a heel manager ever in the history of wrestling. I... I, 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 I I wanted to offer something different, but I can't. <laughs> like he just, I'm like, dude, if Don Callis is building the family, Jungle Boy should be in it. Absolutely. This, Something, man. Like I, they are doing. If you 
if somebody wrote a playbook, uh, like Paul Heyman or uh, or the great wrestling minds of the world wrote a playbook on how to turn someone heel, AEW has done them all for Jack Perry. Done them all. This is how you turn someone heel. Except actually put Anna Jay out there with him, which they have not done yet, which I, yeah. I assume that's coming soon. But except put Anna Jay out there with him, they have given you nothing but reasons to hate this man. And it's honestly, it just feels like most people don't care. I'm not, I'm not trying to, you know, push my feelings on. I'm not trying to do transference. I'm looking at the crowd, and this dude is saying these horrible things, and it doesn't seem like people hate him. They like they're bored by him, and it sucks because I like Jack Perry again. Yeah, it's like it just it just but. What he's doing, whatever his real personality is, whatever it is, they're not feeling it right now. And it's like, at times can be uncomfortable. The most healed thing about him right now is that he pisses off Taz. And now, guess what? They're going to go down the hill, the hill playbook again, and he's going to beat up old, uh, old man Jerry Lynn. And That's exactly the thing, yes. Yeah. Jerry Lynn comes down basically after he says this championship was created in a second class company full of scumbags and being like it was never recognized but once i put my hands on it it's the real deal and he said i called taz and said i would run circles around you and all your dirtbag friends to which jerry len comes down um and i love too that he just literally goes uh that's enough jungle and he said hey old man i'm no longer jungle boy i'm jack perry and i'm just like okay uh and ec to talk about ecw and how they paved the way for the younger generation and Jerry Lynn threatens to kick his ass. He said, look, we're going to do this on my time. How about you come into my ring next week and we see who gets their ass kicked? Uh, so the one thing I just don't want this to be, like I said, it's like I don't want this to just be like, oh, the ECW guys get their comeuppance on, uh, on yeah, oh, yeah, Jungle Boy. Yeah, if Rob Van Dam doesn't show up next week, I'd... And also, too, here's the deal as well. Like I said, like... This whole thing surrounding the FTW championship. Two people in ECW held that belt. Taz and Sabu. So I guess I guess you could have Sabu come out, but it was just like it just seems like the one ECW guy that I think still like can wrestle is Rob Van Dam. So I I I, I could see him showing up. But sure. maybe Sabu comes out and throws a chair at his face or whatever. Something. Yeah, like they I did, said. Did, did they do the video thing with Hook before? For this or after they this? did before it, yeah, yeah. Where so, he just basically he had the T, he had the FTW championship. Train goes by, he doesn't have it. Train goes by, he disappears, and then just the name Hook shows up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So they're about to do something different with Hook. I've been looking forward to Hook and Jungle uh, and uh, Jack Perry. I think there's a better match there because they're both yes. like amazing athletes. I, I don't think. The first match is just the first match. I think you're going to get a better one out there. But you're going to need something until then to get them there. And it's like when I was starting to think about the ECW people, and I think the only one I know that really, I wouldn't say actively wrestles, but wrestles is RVD. And so, Dreamer. And Dreamer. And Dreamer. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Dreamer. I forgot about Dreamer. They still actively wrestle. So they could, you know, they could be one of the ECW guys. I don't even think Jerry Lynn... 
I think he may be able to bump or something, but I know he can't just, I don't think he can wrestle a match. That's just me reading Twitter or whatever. And I, I know what he can do though. He can still do his metal voice. Yes. I love that. So no, it was, it's, it's really cool. Cause it's like one of the few people in AEW, like I've just sat down and chatted with for a while is Jerry Lynn in a random airport. And he's like, just talking about him, like, uh, you know, talking to him and he's a really cool dude. And it's just like, so I don't know. I hope, I mean, if he can, I mean, I know they're not going to do anything he can't do. I mean, I'm not even going there. It's just, I don't know like where this could go. I'm looking forward to next week though. Yeah. I, I'm at least intrigued to see where this leads, but I just don't want it to be just, you know, Oh, the ECW guys beat up Jack Perry, and then that's kind of where we leave things off with. I just want him to beat up every ECW guy. That's what I want. Sure. Yeah, there you go. And then, like, Hook has to come, you know, be the guy for them. And it's just like, but they're going to, I mean, this is like I said, if you're talking about the heel playbook, beat up an old guy. That is. It does work out so, so well. (laughs) It it is on the heel playbook. So. Uh, if, yeah. uh, you know, if Anna J comes out, gives them the old uppercut to the, you know, area and then he beats up the old guy. Oh, that's real heat right there. Oh yeah. Yeah. But we'll move over now to actually the bastard pack versus gravity making his AEW dynamite debut. I love the fact that gravity literally walks like he's on the moon, like his entrance. Love it. Gravity was very entertaining in this. And I love how the match literally opens with Pac going, Gravity, it's me. It's Pac. And he's like, I don't know who the fuck you are. He's like, you forgot about me? Literally a play on words on Neville, the man that Gravity forgot. I love that the fact that the whole match was basically just Gravity didn't know who he was. And he's like, I'm going to make you remember me. It's like, this is stupid. Like, that was the story of this match, but it worked. As a person that is literally in love with puns and goofy, corny shit, this was even goofy and corny to me. But these dudes can wrestle, so it worked out. Exactly. I, I, Dude, I, gravity I, I, was great in this match. Pack is insane, yeah. I looked it up that he, like, before the match, right before the match, because I was like, where the hell did he come from? Is this dude only on the ring, on the match for the joke? And I found out he's Mandito's brother. There you go. <laughs> yeah, so I'm like, oh, okay. I saw him tweet it out, so I was like, obviously, they're friends. Yeah, it's like, like, no, no they're, they're brothers. They're, they're brothers, and then, like, I tell the JR, I was like, oh, he's Bandito's brother, and then uh, Excalibur's like, oh, he's his brother, Bandito. I'm like, hey, Excalibur, stop stealing my shit, okay? All right, I said it first. I know you couldn't hear it, but I still said it first. No, um, no, I just thought it was really cool. It, 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 it opened up a different lens on it because, you know, you got Bandito, now you have his brother, and then you have uh, the Lucha Bros, so that can lead to something in the future. Bandito, unfortunately, as reported by Excalibur, is hurt right now, so hopefully he gets better soon. I mean, dude, I like the AEW went from like like no luchas. I guess they always had the they always had the Lucha Brothers, but shit, they got like have like at least what seven, eight, nine. For real? Yeah, no. Uh, so it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy what's going on, and it was funny because I think when Gravity wrestles, like uh, you know, Abrahantes comes out with a lot of the mass wrestlers. Well, he couldn't come out with them this time because you know he's wrestling his guy Pat. Exactly, for real. Um, only thing else I'll say about this match, even though I, I did think it was great, um, 
this could have been on Rampage, honestly. It could have been a really, really good Rampage match because the whole story was just, oh, it's Pac and Gravity. You get it? Yeah. You get the joke? Yeah, and it's just like sometimes, you know, just, you know, TK wants to amuse himself a little bit. And he thought sure, and again, it's cool to see Gravity on Dynamite. It's nice to see him get like a spot like that. It's like he's really good at what he does. But only thing I will say is I would have liked a little distance between this match and the AR Fox-Cassidy match because they really seem similar. That's why there were so many segments in between it, dude. It's because the matches were so similar. They literally had like three backstage segments and then the in-ring segment with Jack Perry and then like then they did the match. That was like literally it. Yeah, They had to have so many segments to separate it because the matches were so similar. Yeah, my friend Dave was in uh, the crowd and he's like, oh, my kids started falling asleep during this match. And I was like... I guess I could see it, <laughs> you know, whatever. I was like, I could see it. And, you know, long days to get away from me. But they sure. they had, they did have fun at the show in general, though. Absolutely, yeah. And, again, it was a good, really good match. But, again, like, especially considering that that was the story, like I said, it could have been a great match that would have been, like, you have to tune into Rampage to see Gravity. This dude's insane. And when he gets on Dynamite, oh, just you wait. Like, straight up. But... We then had footage after – it was footage from last week that they used this week uh, after the after MJF and Adam Cole won the Blind Eliminator Tag Team Tournament. And MJF absolutely goes haywire talking shit about FTR, basically being like, "You, I liked you boys better when you were my lackeys. That was the pinnacle of your careers. And Dash making fun of him rocking a mullet in 2023. And then Dash's like, oh – Oh, looking down. I love my wife. I love my baby daughter. I love wrestling. This business, no flips, just fits. Blah, 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 blah. And Renee, Renee Paquette was fighting for her life. She was dying. She wanted to fucking lose it over MJF's impression. When he said, uh, here's what's going to happen, Dax. I'm going to take my fists and I'm going to punch you so hard in the face, you're going to have no choice but to spit out CM Punk's jockstrap. <laughs> And he says, uh, we're better than you, baby. And that's when Adam Cole goes, listen, Max, I wanted to talk about you. This tournament, we started just about winning gold. But it's become about friendship now. Never in my million in a million years would I thought we'd become friends. But listen, we're now best friends. And I want to make this very clear. I won't sleep tonight until I let you know you have nothing to worry about with this AEW World Championship. I was just giving it to you. And your friendship means the world to me now. And Max is like, listen. I thought long and hard and win, lose, or draw after collision. I'm going to give you a rematch for the AEW world title because I know it means so much to you. And he's like, are you serious? And that's when Roddy comes down and just shoves MJF. It's like, don't trust him. I saw his look. He's going to turn on you. Max is going to turn on you, Adam. You don't, you're going to regret trusting you. And MJF literally calls him a fucking generic car, generic creator wrestler. I'm like, look at MJF. He plays one video game and all of a sudden he knows the lingo. He knows the lingo after playing Fight Forever for one time. Uh, but they start screaming back and forth, and Adam Cole is like, listen, Max, give us a second. You are being crazy right now. I love you like a brother, but you are acting insane. It's like, you're pushing me away. I have other friends, and you need to trust me if you want to be mine. I'm going to talk to Max. And he's like, look, you're making a big mistake. And he grabs him by the arm, and he said, boundaries. And I was just like, wow. The fact that they turned the boundaries thing around and now they flipped it to Roddy. Dude, this shit's amazing. This shit is amazing. Uh, and 
I guess right now we'll we'll just mention the. Uh, I just want to mention the uh, the other side of things with uh, FTR. Like I said, promo was significantly better, significantly better from Dax's side of things. But I wanted to present this to you, Floyd, just because it's in my head. Um, everyone is all terrified for when MJF and or Adam Cole or when this whole thing breaks up and somebody turns on somebody and all this kind of stuff. And like they literally put out an hour long video on YouTube just going through the history of this bromance. The money in it is still there. They're making bank. Double clothesline is being chanted during shows. I want to present this to you. If they don't want MJF and Adam Cole to break up just yet, and they want to continue this to be able to like you know keep making bank and keep this team together, because obviously they're over as hell and fans want to see them. Why not have FTR turn heel on them? I mean, depending on the city, FTR is heel. <laughs> so yes. So. Uh, in Hartford, Connecticut, which is not very far from New York, I imagine FTR is going to be pretty fucking ill. <laughs> and then they wrestling uh, this tag team that is super hot right now. So it could make sense. It could make sense. FTR because it, ke- it keeps it keeps them together. It keeps them together when they go to Hartford, and they get, like it keeps Adam Cole and MJF together long enough to be able to continue down the feud, like the feud with them, the FTR, and then like you know. Like it sets that thing up, and it gives you more time to enjoy them, so that way you have more time to enjoy before the inevitable turn that makes everybody sad. But then also, on my side of things, it gets me closer to a heel CMFTR, which is what I'm begging for. That is how the world. I mean, I mean, we need this in the world. We do. Uh, we need uh, heel CMFTR. I while I have enjoyed uh, this. I, you know, quasi face run for CM Punk. I guess you can't even call it a full face run. It's not because he's <laughs> fucking with people. Yeah. So uh, no, so you can't even call it a full face run. But this uh, semi face run that he has going on, um, you know, it's great. I, I mean, that's the cool thing about Collision. They've kind of built this where this could go either way. Exactly. That's they, what I'm they, no, um, you could have technically. These are the endings. MJF turns on Adam Cole. Adam Cole turns on MJF. Uh, FTR turns on both of them. MJF and Adam Cole win. The worst result. The one that'll get pissed off full. Yes. But that is the worst result. FTR. Uh, FTR. FTR just beats Adam Cole and MJF, right? Mm-hmm. Adam Cole's helping MJF up. Boom, kick, gives him the boom to the head, and then walks off. Or FTR pins Adam Cole. MJF's in the middle of the ring. Boom, hits, hits uh, Adam Cole in the nuts like he did Cody, and we go on from there. There's so many different ways that this can go, that that this is probably one of the more intriguing matches in uh, AEW this year because it is completely up in the air on w- what the finish could be. Yeah, no, straight up. Like I said, there's so many options that they can go with this. But if people are concerned about uh, see uh, Adam Cole and MJF breaking up, 
This could be a thing that could extend it. And then it would get Floyd to be able to see his guys in black hats again. The, the, uh, black hat FTR is my FTR. Uh, they, I mean, I love FTR in all the forms. Because I, I always said I love that their idea that their their gear a lot of times is rainbow color. Because, you know, uh, it might mean a whole bunch of different stuff to me. But to me, it means they're a little bit of everything. They're a little bit of they're a little bit of country. They're a little bit of rock and roll. They're a little bit of rap. They're they're good guys. They're family men, but they'll fuck you up because they're not they're not nice all the time. That's what I've always liked about FTR. And so uh, to see the FTR that I fell in love with, the FTR where I was the only one wearing the fucking shirts in it because yeah no yeah. they're dicks I don't want to wear them yeah they they kind of are and I I dig that about them so I am looking forward to what happens here and uh, I did never thought of yours as a possibility but now that you have placed it in it it's the only possibility I want so I want them to beat them up and there you uh, go. I mean and it's it, 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 when you talk about AEW right now as far as featured could win the tag team title tag teams most are faces most are on the face side so what they need to make them look good or not look good is a strong hell team because right now again you have the hardys uh you have uh you have lucha bros you have the newly formed and newly updated on AEW, proud and powerful you have best friends you have a bunch of face tag teams that technically can go head to head with FTR and you know so it really would work with them being healed yeah no for real and we move over to uh, Darby Allen versus Swerve Strickland oh my god that moment where Darby jumps over the steel steps but then Swerve jumps off the steel steps and just takes him in the head like just drops him with the most like perfectly placed kick I've ever seen like, oh, my God, it was so good. And Darby and Swerve, like I said, they they did a damn good job in this match. Um, Swerve, Death Valley drivered him off onto the apron, and I thought he was dead. Dude. I thought he was dead. And, and a callback to the Battle Royal, when Darby came through the second ropes and stayed, Swerve caught him with the knee, and then Darby just, like, boom, hit the ground. Oh, my God, it was so amazing. I know. It was so good. Um, as the match is going on, though, uh, Darby is av- able to uh, kind of work things up a little bit, and he's about to uh, hit after he's able to fight himself up and break the count from being nearly counted out. Uh, Ar Fox then runs out, runs him into the ring post while uh, Prince Nana is distracting. Dude, the announcers aren't stupid on AEW. I love it. Yes, they very much like Fox. Excalibur was like, Excalibur was like, I wonder who that is. It's like, Tess is like, you can tell. I saw his face. We know who it is. Like, (laughs) there was no like, oh, we don't know who it is. It was like, we know who it is. AR Fox, yeah, you thank the guy in, and then AR Fox jumps in the ring. Then he fucking hit some, he hits Nick, uh, he doesn't just hit. Nick Wayne in the back of the skateboard. He literally threw the skateboard at his back. Yeah. <laughs> and then he, uh, Prince Nana pulls out the shirt. Yes. And the new, new member of the embassy. embassy. New embassy of the embassy. So apparently, um, uh, mogul embassies 
is AKA for Lucha Underground. Because now guess so. they have Kill Shot. They have Dante Fox, and I fucking forgot Brian Cage's name in, in, in Lucha Underground, but he's in it. So three of their five members are Lucha Underground. Uh, Swerve and AR Fox were part of a six-man or a trios team with Willie Mack. I wonder if that means Willie Mack going to show up. Let's, let's get that trio to back together. But no, I was really cool. This was really cool. AR Fox, who is super talented, and all I've ever heard over the years, because I've seen him in a few indies, but all I've heard over the years is how he should be signed. He should be on TV. They signed him to AEW. He kind of went away. And now he's in a featured storyline. He's going to be on TV you know, every week or whatever. I am very happy for AR Fox. It sucks that he had to turn on my boy Darby, but I'm very happy for AR Fox because getting signed in wrestling is great. Getting signed in AEW is great. But you know your AEW when they put you in a featured act and they're going to put you on TV. And that's where AR, AR Fox has graduated to that now. Yeah, he's really moved up big time on that. Another backstage segment as the Jericho Appreciation Society saw, uh, like, found Chris Jericho, asked to speak with him in his dressing room, and you had uh, Ty Mello, Anna JAS, and uh, Angelo Parker, and uh, Daddy Magic Matt Menard, and basically being like, what's going on with you? And Angelo Parker basically said, this group means the world to me. I don't think it means, I think it means the same to you, but I'm not sure anymore. And Anna JAS was like, no, I'm going to say you're being selfish, and you spent all, we spent all this time appreciating you. I don't think you appreciate us. So like Jake said, until you do, we can't give you 100%. And Matt Menard is the one that's just the most distraught because he's been the one that's been like the most appreciative. And he's like, you think this is easy for me? And Matt's like, yeah, it looks pretty easy. He's like, figure it out fast. Um, I, 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 I do like how Angelo Parker basically pulled a knife on Chris Jericho. He did, straight up. I mean, I mean, it might have been subtle. He might not have meant to use it, but in every sense of the word, he pulled a knife on Chris Jericho. Yeah, because <laughs> Angelo Parker's about that life. He's about um, that life. Yeah, so I thought this was a nice little like extra segment for this little thing. Um, but now we got to move over to Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Taya Valkyrie. Guys, after this match was over, intentionally or unintentionally, whatever you want to be the case, after the match ended, they literally cut to the crowd and straight on to a fan who had a sign that said, book the women's division better. And they held on it for like th- like five seconds. It wasn't like a thing where they cut to it and the sign got pulled up and they're like, and then they cut away from it. That was on there for five seconds. Long enough that it was easy to get a screen cap of that basically to hold it. Felt like it was a message. From someone. Found like it was a message. Somebody in the back was like, TK, you better look at this sign right now and you better make this shit hit home for you. And that's kind of what it was. Floyd will tell you this match was okay. Honestly, it was rough for me. Like, it was just kind of rough. It was, eh, I would say more so. I, you, know, uh, you know what? I will tell anybody. Crowd reaction can make a match. It can make an okay match seem great, right? It can make a, a great match seem iconic. But it also can make an okay to good match seem like shit. The crowd did not care that this match was going on. And what I was bringing up to my biggest point that I was making to Austin before we got on the show is why would they? 
Yeah, there was no reason. There was no, like I said, we had one week of this, basically, of Taya Valkyrie calling out Britt Baker on Collision after she got a win over Sky Blue, which, again, was a bigger win that was, like, honestly, was like, okay, so Taya Valkyrie did actually get a win. Um, Dr. Britt Baker, we hadn't seen much of her in months. The last thing, big thing that we'd seen Britt Baker do was when she was beaten up by Soraya while Adam Cole was handcuffed and watched. That was the last like major thing we saw happen. And then, of course, she got her comeuppance when she took a kendo stick and then just chased out uh, Soraya and the outcasts and stuff like that. So you would think that you would see Dr. Britt Baker legitimately feuding with the outcasts, right? Nah. Nah, we just haven't seen her. Britt Baker has been criminally underbooked. How hot she was to what she is now, there will be stories written about how they have not used her correctly. So, and I will hey. still, I will stay, still say up and down too. She is one of your most valuable assets of that women's division. Since day one, she was your most valuable asset, and she still is. Even if she hasn't held the AEW championship in year, the women's championship in years. Last time she had the women's championship, I think, was back in 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, she hasn't had that title in. No, actually, that's a lie. She lost it in 2022 when she lost to Thunder Rosa. But she won that title in 2021. But, again, it has been forever since Don't it felt like, like she has been showcased in a way that, like, it, like she, she is still so valuable for that women's division. And I don't know why she's not used more. And this match... A, like a, a win for a win for Taya Valkyrie who hadn't won a match in a while and like one promo from Dr. Britt Baker DMD backstage that does not give a match that people care about even if people do love Dr. Britt Baker like there's just nothing here and I mean me and Floyd off air were talking about this for weeks like TK until you prove to us otherwise you don't care about this women's division you don't care about women's wrestling at this point like I said, that match between Gravity and Pac could have been on Rampage. You could have had another women's match. There were multiple women on the on the roster. I'm wondering where the hell they are. Like, Floyd's wondering where Re- where Reba is. I'm wondering where Serena Deeb is. Right. I'm wondering where Thunder Rosa is. She's literally advertised as one of the main people who were advertised for Collision when it was first announced. She has not wrestled yet this year. Yeah, I think... I. It was so funny because you know, not, and not and honestly not funny, but I you know she was done that, and then I read that she can't wrestle, and I'm like, well, she's still hurt, and I'm like, uh, well, why did you do the little backstage? Yeah, why did you advertise? Yes. So let's let's let me just tell you. So, uh, Taya Valkyrie uh, debuted in AEW in April. It looks like, well, well, Marina Shafir, uh, blah, 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 blah. So, uh, since April 12th, we're going to go with that. She defeated Emmy Sakura. Then, on the 26th, she lost to Jade Cargill, right? She beat yes. Lady Frost. Then, at double nothing, she lost to Jade Cargill. She then defeats Trisha Dora and Killa Kelly. Then, lost to Chris Statlander for the TBS title. So, she's lost two TBS titles in a row. And then seven days later, on Rampage, she lost to Ty Valkyrie yet again. I mean, uh, she lost to Sheeta this time. 
right? Then she beat Ava Lawless again. And someone named Izzy McQueen. Then she lost to Tony Storm. Then she beat Sky Blue. And then she lost to Britt Baker. So she has lost pre every big match she's had in AEW. Pretty much. She, and it's like, so you have her win a match Saturday and then call out Britt Baker. And it's like, no one thought she was going to win this match. There was zero intrigue in this match. Everybody, it's like, thought something was going to happen during this match. And it was just like, it was just a match. I I even said this before. I was saying it to Austin. I would rather you split the same time into two matches, have Britt squash somebody, then have Taya squash somebody, and have Taya win some matches. Like, literally, Taya shouldn't lose for another. If you ever want Taya to be anything in this women's division, she shouldn't lose for six months. Because she has lost so much in her first three months there. She is basically like like no one thinks she's going to ever win that match. No person that watches AEW regularly thinks she's going to win a match. When people don't think that both people can want, both people can win, it makes zero in the trick and they check out. This match was actually fairly hard hitting. They went went at each other really good. I don't think it was a bad match by any means. No one cared about the match. That's what I'm saying. When I when that sign that says book the AEW women's division better or book the women's division better, it is not talking about match for match. I know some people love the entering performances. That's the thing. That's what they love. The the, the performance is what they love. But I say this. I don't want to see people just fight. I want a reason for them to fight. That little promo that Taya cut on Saturday was not a reason enough for her and Britt to fight. Britt could have beat up anybody and it, it and beat up anybody. Taya could have beat up anybody and it would have been better than what we saw tonight. This was a this was the symptom of a greater problem in AEW and it's uh, that the women's division does they don't know how to tell multi-layered storylines there should be a world title storyline there should be a tbs title storyline then there should be two or three storylines not focused on the title because that is how you know how the divisions work and right now it's just not working and again it's not for the fact that the roster can't do it athena and willow nightingale tore the house down at death before dishonor they did outstanding and athena to me like i said i was shouting for Athena to be used properly like, and give a real big run to. The fact that she's the Ring of Honor Women's Champion is great, and I think that she's doing wonders there. Um, and her heel character is the best. I love it. You have Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. You have Hikaru Shida, who's still very good. Jade Cargill obviously has disappeared since she lost the TBS Championship, but she is still very good. We know Jamie Hayter's hurt. Julia Hart is slowly moving her way up and getting some singles wins under her belt. And starting to really showcase, like, you know, hey, she could be somebody to look out for. Chris Statlander is amazing. Her TV is, I, I have to acquiesce now to Floyd. Because I literally said the only reason I was happy about the, the TBS championship win by Chris Statlander was because I was in the building. She's won matches against people that, it, like, there's no feud here. Like, I don't know what her first main feud as TBS champion is going to be. You have Nyla Rose, who's 
absolutely entertaining and can do an entertaining promo. Ruby Soho has shown the ability to cut such good promos, dude. She can do a seg- like a feud and a segment with people that would get people to watch. And I have said before, where the hell is Serena Deeb? You tell me there's nothing that Serena Deeb could do? Sky Blue is on the up and up. Taya Valkyrie can be good if given a proper like build and enough time to be able to create something that matters. When Thunder Rosa can eventually wrestle, she's great. Tony Storm is a great women's champion. Will Nightingale has been a lovely addition. I still think Allie's good. Allie could absolutely be used. You could use the bunny in some situations. Soraya has been sparingly used, and if you throw Soraya in something, you can absolutely make people care about stuff. There is absolutely positions where you can have these girls break off and do storylines and have stuff that is entertaining and has more than just these women are fighting each other. There can be stories on top of it. There can be segments that they can cut against each other. There are stuff that you can pull from their careers and use, bring it into the front for, forefront of the story so that way it has another element for the reason why these two should hate each other. This can be done right. But until TK cares enough, because I don't think he cares enough, and that may be disrespectful, but you've shown me no reason to think that you care enough. Because again... Pack and Gravity had more TV time and more like story than these two. The story for Gravity versus Pack was just, do you get it? And I get it. The joke was funny. But that had more story going for it than two of your big women uh, women's wrestlers. Dr. Britt Baker, former AEW Women's Champion. Taya Valkyrie, one of your big signings last year. Pack versus Gravity had more story going into it. That, I'm sorry, should not be the case. It should not be the case. So, so like, you've got to try harder than this, guys. It's, I'm not saying it should be, like, levels of, like, the, of the, of the mid-2000s, late, early 2010s TNA knockouts division. Like, it's not, making a great division is hard. I'm not saying it's not. But you have to try because everything that you've shown me is that you're barely trying. And the fact that we had signs and they held on to that for so long too. And the complaint has been consistent throughout AEW's entire run. We have consistently said the women's division needs more story opportunities, more time, and more chances. Like, I'm sorry, but we're getting to the point of nearly hashtag give divas a chance. Straight up. Straight up. We will move off of this right now. Like I said, there's so many ways that you can make this better. We are the proclivity for positivity. There is an opportunity for all these women to get TV time and stories that matter. There are so many good women on this roster. So many. Just do something. Just do something. Yeah, this Twitter account that says AEW Collision Chat says should you know, book the women's division better should just say book Athena. <laughs> that simple. It's that simple. Like I said, I love Athena being the Ring of Honor Women's Champion. I think it's a great accolade for her for sure. But I want her on AEW television because I know she'll go fucking ape shit, and I, she'll do amazing. And what's her story? She's angry and nobody can beat her. That's it. And, and she's it works. a bitch. Yeah. She's a, <laughs> yeah, she's she's a angry. bitch that you can't beat. <laughs> yeah. She's angry and nobody can beat her. That's Athena. That's it. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's straight up. It's not complicated. <laughs> like, like she's just a really she's she's one of those people. Her whole storyline. She's a really good wrestler, and she knows it. And yeah, and she will tell you yeah. over and over and over. She will tell you you can't beat her. Then she'll beat you, and then she'll tell you I told you you couldn't beat me. <laughs> straight up, dude. Straight up. Like I said, dude. Jay, like you literally had. Uh, uh, Dr. Britt Baker DMD say that TBS is that bitch is a uh, is a uh, the Brit show is uh. TBS is the Brit show which again Brit could very well be a heel if she wanted to again because it is where she shines the most straight up and then she says TBS is the Brit show have her go after Chris Statlander and there's a mega feud right there that you could have for the TBS championship Straight up. Like, is there a reason why Britt Baker's baby face? She doesn't have to be. Is it just because she's with Adam Cole? That's a dumb excuse. Yeah, because, I mean, honestly, there's not really. I mean, Willow. There's no reason. People, people love Willow, but she's. There's tons of great baby faces on the women's roster. Yeah, people love Willow, but Britt Baker's not really the top baby face, women's baby face. So it's like, why does she have to be baby face? I don't know. We'll have to see. We, I know we're waiting. I know we're in a holding pattern because we're waiting on Jamie to get yes, uh, healthy. I know. We're we're in a holding pattern, but it's like they seem to be able when it when a man or when someone on the men's roster gets hurt, and I know it's a, you know there's a lot more of them, but when someone's on the men's roster to get hurt, they generally are good at pivoting for a while until they can get back to the storyline that they want to tell, and it's just like. I don't feel like they've pivoted in this in this one yes. yet. I, I don't think they've pivoted very well. So we will see what goes on there. We will see. Main event time for Dynamite. Best friends versus Blackpool Combat Club, Claudio and John Moxley versus Lucha Brothers. How is this a main event? I mean, I'm not being disrespectful here. Like, listen, this features main event guys. It features Lucha Brothers. It features the BCC. Features the Ring of Honor World Champion. And I love Best Friends to death. I love Best Friends. I mean, it was the best best match on the show. So that's probably why I made it. I mean, if you're you're having me rebook the show, I'm probably booking Swerve and uh, Darby as the main event. Then you have the show going off with AR Fox joining the embassy, Mogul Embassy. But, I mean, both of them kind of had big endings in the end. Sure. And again, I like I get that, and that's a little bit more nitpicky. And the match was great, absolutely. I'm not trying to, like I said, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but like you open the show with an inter- and I know why it opened the show because it's set up for stuff that happened later in the show. But there's an international championship match that opens the show, and then a match with nothing on the line between like like. And also, I'm sorry, the Lucha Bros were absolutely just stapled into this match. Like I don't see like the fact that they're back and they're together and all that stuff and they're they're on tv great they have no dog in any of this i mean like they have a natural rivalry with the blackpool combat club started last week when pack abandoned them so but then the sure, Lucha Bros triangle, came. Yes, yes there yeah, you go yes, yes i get that yeah but. i mean i mean claudio did tell you that you know 
hey, I'm coming after you, Pac. I, we're not done with you. And the Lucha Bros about to catch, you know, catch this ass whooping too. So he really did set it up. Honestly, it does. I mean, it's it does make sense. I just, like I said, I thought the match was just kind of there. No, I understand at least that there was. It was basically like we're gonna beat up your friends. Is what that whole idea was. Yeah. Uh, but the whole match too, like like later early in the night, like we said, Moxley jumped Orange Cassidy, and then Orange Cassidy would come out later in the sh- in this match to be able to try to like, I guess even the odds a little bit and get a little bit of revenge. But then the best, I mean, then Lucha Bros just won the match. Yeah. Best friends couldn't have won the match. Best friends because Orange Cassidy came out to jump John Moxley and then he couldn't have helped his friends win instead of two guys that he has no relation to. I get the whole focus was just making sure BCC lost, but maybe, like I said, maybe I'm being nitpicky. Maybe I'm being like a little bit more like, eh, I don't know. I felt like it would have been better if best friends win. I just like best friends. It does like maybe that's just straight up it too. Yeah, I'm say, I uh, I have no emotional attachment to best friends, even though they're great. Like I acknowledge that they're great, but it's just no. And again, this match was really good. Tons of great uh, action in this match, and you get the Lucha Bros in a match. You're gonna get that, and BCC are still like some of the best wrestlers in the world. And I love best friends. Um, as the fi- show went off the air, though, they were literally fighting still after the match had ha- ended. And they announced basically as the show went off the air that on next week's episode of Dynamite, episode 200, it's going to be an anything goes match between John Moxley, Trent Beretta, and Penta. So kind of just splitting this off and continuing this by just having it be a triple threat match. And yes. Floyd, yes, we have an oxymoron here. Yes. Uh, if anybody is listening to the show, what are the rules to a triple threat match? Huh? There's no DQ and no count out. So doesn't so it goes? goes in every tri- every three-way match? Literally. Every three-way match is anything goes. I don't I don't I mean, I guess it's something to sell, but every three-way match is anything goes. This triple threat tag match was anything goes. I, I just thought it was funny. I laughed cuz I was like yeah, I'm looking at it on the screen like anything goes. I'm like, every triple threat match is anything goes. There's no DQ in triple threat matches. Now, if you established in AEW three-way matches, you can be DQ'd. That would be different. But, yeah, you literally just said, huh. Huh, okay, no, I don't get it. You know, that kind of thing. I'm just like... I I would like if uh, AEW wanted to establish in their three way matches that you could be DQ'd and just basically thrown out the ring and it turns into a singles match. I think that would be a different twist on the triple threat that would be unique to AEW. But in this case, a three way no holds barred match is just a three way match. It's the same match. No. So, yeah, (laughs) again, it was to me at least. this dynamite had some really good stuff on it, but it felt it felt kind of a little bit weaker. Like I said, there were some big matches that I enjoyed and some enjoyable stuff. I think the lack of the elite and the fact that everything we saw with uh, MJF and, and uh, Adam Cole and FTR were backstage pre-recorded stuff. I think that definitely made it seem a lot less like you know of a bigger dynamite. Uh, I think episode 200, you're going to see a lot more. I think they're going to bring out a lot more for that. 
um, and I understand. Uh, but to me, this felt like there were some corner cuts. There were some corner cuts for sure for me, at least on my side of things. This, at least this is all that the trash town of Albany deserved. No, I'm just and kidding. there you go. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, uh, seriously, I felt like it, it was a, a, it was. I would say it was an average to good show. But when you come off of Blood and Guts, that's the whole thing. When you come yeah. off, to, off of a show that's basically a pay-per-view, and they say, you're going to get the fallout from the show, and I guess the fallout, what, really, technically, you did get the fallout, because the big thing in the match is that the BCC got abandoned by Takeshi and Pack. So the continuation from that was now... The BCC has a problem with Pac and the Death Triangle. I get it. But yeah, we didn't hear from Kenny and the Young Bucks. We didn't hear pre-tape. We didn't hear nothing. Maybe it happens on Rampage. I don't know. But I felt like the victors should have had a little bit of the spoils, right? Yeah, you would think so. Especially mm-hmm. if they were so emotional after the match ended. Yeah. Like, and shaking yeah. hands with the team, like yeah, it would and, still come out. And apparently, they play grab ass and were uh, all like best friends after the match. And it was like <laughs> we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't see that. And it was like, oh, okay, what, what happened to you know? Why wasn't that on TV? You know, uh, even uh, Claudio said he thought that should be on TV. And like, so what? Where, where was that? What happened to that? So I would have right. liked to see a little bit more. Uh, with this, and but you know, we got what we got, kind of thing, so yeah. But <sighs> that was this week in AEW. Um, now for this upcoming Friday, I know I don't, I can't remember exactly the matches that were announced for so, Rampage. So there is, I actually do remember the matches Scorpio Sky versus Kip Sabian, then we have uh, a battle tag team battle royal. The winner gets a winner is next in line to face the winner of FTR and MJF and Adam Cole. So, and I we we went through the teams. Uh, the big teams were like the Hardys, Butchers and the, Butcher and the Blade, Sotnam Singh and Jay Lethal, Isaiah Cassidy and uh, Ethan Page. Um, who else? Uh, Big Bill and uh, Big Bill and Cash. Brian Cage. Yeah, Brian Cage and uh, yeah, and uh, 2.0. And so, all right. So they are in that group, and then I believe Sheeta is wrestling Nyla Rose. That's right. That was announced too. Yeah, just continuing that like that like OG AEW feud. So, and for, um, as they're presenting, collision. It, yes, Sheeta is the number one contender yes. right now for the women's title. Shout out, shout out Sheeta. And of course, this this Saturday for Collision, what a show we have. A ladder match for Andrade El Idolo's mask. Like they're going to hang it from the rafters. Buddy Matthews versus Andrade so, El Idolo. So, they, so what happens is when Andrade gets the mask, he gets to take it home. But if Buddy Murphy gets the mask, they has to watch as uh, they burn the mask in front of him. Which will be like crazy if that's the case. <laughs> yes, that would be crazy. Um, so yeah, Buddy Matthews, Andrade Alidolo, a trios match between Bullet Club Gold and the Guns. It's gonna have Juice Robinson in the Guns versus El Hilo del Vikingo, Action Andretti, and Darius Martin. So I'm all for v- Vikingo being back on TV again doing stuff. Uh, and then of course, AW World Tag Team Championship match, FTR 
versus Adam Cole and the AEW World Champion MJF. We could be getting another five star banger on our hands, folks. FTR yeah. just churns these out, and we could get another one. Dude, you give them a match, you give them some meaning, you give them some time. They're gonna knock it out of park every time. And then on the other side of the ring is w- w- probably one of the best big match wrestlers in NXT history. You know, and Straight believe up. me, when talking about takeover history. One of the best big match wrestlers there was, and his name was Adam Cole. And then MJF. MJF, just when you think you have him in a box, just when you think you've decided this is as good as he'll ever be, he always takes it a step further. So you don't think MJF is going to want to step up and be on the same level as the best tag team in the world right now? You are fucking kidding yourself. He's going to go out there, and they're going to put on a killer. And understand, MJF, even though he can work the style, he can throw the Canadian Destroyers, he can do all that stuff. He can do the nip-ups and stuff. That dude loves wrestling. He loves 80s, 90s style, heel face wrestling. Huh, what tag team does that better than anybody else ever? Oh, it's FTR. Dude, this is going to match is going to work on so many levels because sometimes it's like, matchups make fights these two i mean well mjf and ftr pretty much work the same style and then adam cole one of the better wrestlers in the world this is about to be amazing it's like dude i know they're going to be doing storyline stuff but i would so hope i i i pray to wrestling god whoever that is that they give us the match and they give us a finish then they do the storyline shit. Yeah, for real. I, um, yeah, and then give us our banger. <laughs> give us our banger. And then, of course, on Dynamite, we're going to have the triple threat match between John Moxley and uh, Trent Beretta and Penta. And then we also will get Chris Jericho and Kanosuke Takeshita versus Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia. So... There you go. We don't really have much else in terms of headlines or anything like that, so I think that'll close us out, though, on this episode of All Things Elite. Guys, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. We really do appreciate it. Uh, be sure to continue to download this show on Google or Apple Podcasts, and if you listen to us on Spotify, wherever you choose to listen to us, uh, give us a share with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever you wish, and also subscribe so you don't miss an episode also. Those ratings and reviews help us out a ton, so if you want to leave one of those, we'd really appreciate that as well. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter, at Social Suplex. Make this show possible. Check out all the other shows they have on their network. I am at Austin Sumowitz, S-Z-U-M-O-W-I-C-Z. And Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And I will let him take us home on this episode of All Things Elite. Shout out to the man, the myth, the legend, Roosh, on signing a new contract yes. with AEW. Uh, there were rumors that he was NXT bound because Dragon Lee was there, or WWE bound because Dragon Lee was there. He decides to stay in AEW with Andrade. Hopefully that leads to some good shit coming up soon because you have that crew that used to be with Andrade, and Andrade kind of needs a crew to go up against the House of Black right now. So that could be happening soon. Uh, yeah, the proud and powerful news. I was just very happy that they are proud and powerful. I don't know if they're going to be together because there was rumors that they were having issues. Hopefully that's all worked out. Uh, you can check out Santana's Twitter. 
He's been kind of documenting his comeback, so that's been kind of cool. Uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward, uh, looking forward to what they'll be doing in tag division. I want to run uh, Proud and Powerful versus FTR back. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, if that's what's to happen. But I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, episode 200, one of our most listened to episodes ever. Uh, keep, uh, thank you everybody that downloads, listens and supports the show. Uh, me and Austin really deeply appreciate it. Um, we're going to keep going and keep talking shit and keep doing what we doing. Uh, we wish, uh, we, you, you gave us the sign off. So I will say this, as I always say, I want everyone to have the best week possible. Make sure you're staying cool. Make sure you're staying hydrated. It's the summer. Dog days of summer, they're coming at you hard. So make sure you're taking care of each other. And if you can do something in your day to make someone else smile or make someone happy, please do that. Take that extra second. Take that extra moment to do that because during the summer, everything gets magnified under the sun. Sadness, happiness, whatever. So uh, be there for your fellow man and take care of them. And I will leave you how I've left you the 200 episodes before this. Whether it is home, work, or school, always do your best to be elite. special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.